Good morning, brothers and sisters. Can we turn to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11? Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony and they did not love their life even when faced with death. And then we turn to the Old Testament in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Uh, may we bow with a further word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for giving us this time. Lord, as we come before your word, we ask that you may speak to our hearts. Lord, we are very aware that your coming is soon. Lord, and we know that your purpose is to be completed soon. Lord, our prayer is that we may be a part of it. Not just to hear about it, Lord, but to be an active part of your will. So, Lord, we ask for your mercy. Lord, we pray that you may uh, give us attentive ears and a teachable heart. We pray that your Holy Spirit may speak to each one of us this morning. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' precious name. We know that recently we have been considering this verse in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. As I was reading this verse, and of course this talks about the fact that they were overcomers. In other words, they were ones who fulfilled the purpose of God. And in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, the Lord rewarded those whom He said, those who overcame. And as I was reading this verse, I was thinking, now, how do people become overcomers? And if you read this verse, it's very clear. And they were able to overcome, of course, because of the blood of the Lamb. And because of the word of their testimony. So when I first read this phrase, the word of their testimony, I had a question. What does it mean, word of their testimony? Is it their word? Is it their testimony? Uh, and that was my question. So I was considering before this, this matter before, before the Lord. And then we are taught that we have to let the Word of God interpret the Word of God. So uh, is it uh, our Word? Is it our testimony? Uh, I think the Lord Himself will tell us. And John Himself told us. Because there are other places in the book of Revelation that talk about the Word and talk about the testimony. So if you read Revelation chapter 1 and verse 2, 
What does John tell us? It says, um, uh, it talks about John, right? The last word in verse 1 is John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So here John tells us it's not John's word. It's it's not John's testimony. So it's not the overcomer's word. It's not the overcomer's testimony. But here we see that here is the word of God. And to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now we know that this word in verse 2 it says it's it's the word in Greek is logos, the logos of God. And to the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the question is this. What is the word of God? And what is the testimony of Jesus Christ? Now if you go back to the Gospel of John chapter 1, you all know that in the beginning was the word. Or in the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos was with God. And the, lo- and the Logos was God. So in the beginning, the Word was already there. So in the beginning, when man didn't even exist, we know the Word was there. We know know God was there. Because God is from eternity to eternity. But then what is the testimony of Jesus? And John tells us that no one has seen God at any time. But the one who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. So in the beginning was the word. That was verse 1. But verse 14, it talks about the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. So what is the testimony of Jesus? Is that the Lord Jesus took something that was so far away in in some ways. Because God was not someone that man could know. But now, because of our Lord Jesus, He has explained who the Lord is. Now we know in Genesis chapter 1, the spirit of man died. So man could no longer have fellowship with God. So man had no opportunity to know God. But the Word who was with God from the beginning, one day he was willing to become flesh. And he was willing to tabernacle among us. And John said we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So what is the testimony of Jesus? The Lord Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So through him, we can come to know who the Father is. Because he has explained him. So that's the testimony of Jesus. So the testimony of Jesus is nothing but explaining who God is. Man did not know what love was. But because of our Lord Jesus, man was able to discover the love of God. Even though men hated him, Man said, crucify him, crucify him. Our Lord Jesus could say, Father, forgive him, because they did not know what they do. Man did not know what love was. But now man discovered what love was. When uh, the, the Lord came to eat, uh, the supper with the disciples, he was willing to lay aside his garment and wash the disciples' feet. That is love. Uh, man did not know what light was. Uh, uh, man thought he could see. 
But in the gospel, you see so many that were blind. But Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he was able to bring sight to many. The Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread. I am uh, the resurrection and the life. So through the Lord Jesus, we come to know the I am that I am of the Old Testament. What was intangible now has become tangible. In 1 John, it talks about John saying, We handled the things of the Lord. So, in other words, what was unreachable now is reachable. What was uh, uh, unknown now has become known. That is the testimony of the Lord Jesus. So you see that the, the Word existed from the beginning. But now it took someone to explain what that word is. So, brothers and sisters, this is actually at the heart of the purpose of God. Why was it that God created man? Because God was looking for a testimony. He was looking for an expression of himself. So, God is the God of heaven. But God was not, in his um, wisdom, he felt that that was almost not enough. Because he wanted he, him to be expressed here on earth. So in Psalm chapter 9, he said, How majestic is your name? Uh, Psalm, chapter, Psalm 8, it says, How majestic is your name in all the earth? We know that uh, the angels worship God in heaven. But in God's wonderful wisdom, He decided that He wanted to express Himself through man. And that is why He created this world. And then He placed man on this earth. It's so that man could express who he is. So we read in uh, Genesis chapter 1 that, that God created this beautiful world. He created a wonderful garden and he placed man on this earth. And his command to man was this that you are to be fruitful and multiply. And you are to fill this earth. But not only that, but you are to rule over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the cattle in the field. You are to be king of this world. And the glory of God is to fill this earth. And then somehow on earth there'll be an expression of heaven. So now heaven's not just heaven in heaven. But heaven is heaven on earth. But how was that going to be done? God's desire was so that man would partake of the tree of life. So as man partook of that tree of life, that then the spirit of man will yield to the spirit of God. And there will be a proper order. And that as man obeyed God and understood the purpose of God, and that as the life of God grew in him, then as man became to multiply, then over the whole earth, will be a people that yielded to God. They were willing to submit their will to the will of God. Then the glory of God will fill the earth. Then earth will be a reflection of heaven. Then the, God, the purpose of God will be fulfilled. That was God's purpose in creating man from the beginning. So brothers and sisters, sometimes you may wonder, why did God create me? Why did God give life? Don't forget. His purpose is that we would be a reflection of Him. That the earth can be a reflection of heaven. 
Have you ever seen those wonderful paintings with a very still lake? And that lake is a perfect reflection of heaven. That was God's purpose from the beginning. God's purpose for man is that he would be an expression of heaven. So brothers and sisters, this was God's purpose. But unfortunately, man sinned, and man fell. And we know that man decided to take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil speaks of man's independence from God. I don't need God. I can make my own decisions. I know what is right. I know what is wrong. Isn't that our condition before we came to know the Lord? I feel I whatever I want, I do. I feel like sleeping a lot, I sleep a lot. I feel like eating a lot, I eat a lot. I want to make a lot of money. I want to make a name for myself on this in this world. There was no concept of what my purpose is. Well, actually there is. The purpose is to make me happy. So this is the condition of man. And uh, and you can see what sorry condition we we've created. So the Bible tells us very clearly. Right? So uh envy, lying, cheating, all all just think a little bit about your place of work. Think about all the politics that happens at the place of work. Think about all the wars and rumors of wars around us. So that's what that's what man did. So uh and then so man fell. And sin against God. And what happened? You know, uh Cain killed Abel, right? So in man's independence, that was the result. But not only that, we know that man not only fell into sin, but in Genesis chapter 6, man fell into the flesh. The Bible says the Holy Spirit described man now as nothing but the flesh. So what you can describe before you should have described him as a living soul. Someone that could please God. But now all man was was the flesh. And then not only and so because that of that there was the flood. And then chapter eleven it talks about how man united uh to rebel against God. So now uh uh now men fell into the world. So Nimrod led the people of the earth to build the Tower of Babel. Uh so that to say we can reach heaven our own. We don't need God. So that was the condition of man. But thank the Lord. In uh, Genesis chapter 12, God made a call to a man by the name of Abraham. Now, what was God doing? God was doing a work of recovery. So, um, uh, in John, Genesis chapter 12, what did he say? Uh, Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and so you shall be a blessing. 
创世纪十二章第一节第二节，耶和华对亚伯兰说：“你要离开本地本族父家，往我所要指示你的地去。我必叫你成为大国，我必赐福给你，叫你的名为大。你也要叫别人得福。And I'll let's pay special attention to verse two, and I'll make you a great nation. 我们特别注意这里讲第二节，我必叫你成为大国。Now God was, of course, we know that God's purpose was that there would be a nation that would come out of Abraham. 的确，神的旨意就是要从亚伯拉罕出来一个大国。So what was it that God was trying to do? 神要做什么呢 ？Now we know that the whole world now was under the 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 hands of the evil one. 我们知道整个世界都落在恶者的权下。But now God was calling Abraham. 但现在神来呼召亚伯拉罕。Now he not only called Abraham but also Isaac. 他不但呼召亚伯拉罕，也呼召亚伯以撒、雅各。Why was it that God was doing this? 神为什么做这些？ Because God not only wanted an individual to follow Him. Because God not only wanted a family to follow Him. God not only wanted a family to follow Him. God said, "I will make you a great nation." God not only wanted a family to follow Him. God said, So that land became very important. Why is that land really important? Why is that land really important? Because if you do not have a land, you don't have a nation. Now we know that we recently heard about ISIS. Well, we it started out with Osama bin Laden, right? But he only did some. He just killed some people. But he didn't have a land. But why are people afraid of ISIS now? Because they actually have a land. They're actually a nation now. Right? So, um, so that's why the land is very important. So, here is. The Lord saying, "I'm going to make you a great nation." So, 神说，我必要叫你成为大国。Why was it that that was so important? 为什么这个非常重要 ？So we know that Abraham was not the end. 大家知道亚伯拉罕不是结局。Isaac was not the end. 亚以撒也不是结局。Jacob was not the end. 雅各也不是那结局。Israel, the sons of Israel, that's what God was after. 以色列，以色列的儿子是神所要。God wanted to establish a nation. Now we know the whole world was under the hands of the evil one. We know the whole world was under the hands of the evil one. His desire never changed. His purpose never changed. Remember what his purpose was from the beginning. Was that somehow earth could be a reflection of heaven? Now we know the whole earth could not do it. So in God's work of recovery, so he took a piece of land. Land of Canaan. And said, "In this piece of land, I want to have a people." I want to have a nation, a nation that can reflect who I am. So in God's work of recovery, it started with a family, an individual, then a family, then a nation. But what was it that God was trying to do? He was trying to restore His purpose. And His purpose was that somehow here on earth, even on that little piece of land. This would be a reflection of him. So what did he do? So then he gave the the tablet of testimony into the hands of Moses. And then he had Moses build a tabernacle. And then you saw. Then he wanted the people of Israel to gather around the testimony. And then you remember the presence of God filled that place. And think about the tabernacle. Think about at the very center of that tabernacle. It was the Holy of Holies. And our brother reminded a few weeks back. In that Holy of Holies, there is the Ark of the Covenant. Do you remember what was inside the Ark of the Covenant? 大家知道在约柜当中有什么 ？You had the tablet of testimony. 你有呃那个约呃呃法版。The word of God. 神的话。So the logos of God. 就是 logos 神的话。But not only that. 不但如此。Remember God gave uh. 
God started to provide manna from heaven. So God had Aaron put a omer full of, of, of manna into a jar and placed it in the ark. So, so right at the center. Now you have the word of God. But not word of God is not enough. Well, it's not not that it's not enough, but God wants something more. So now you find the manna. Now remember, uh, in Matthew chapter four, verse four, there's a verse that says, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God." So uh, in the New Testament, there are two words for the word word. We said in John chapter one verse one, in the beginning was the logos, right? That logos is the objective word of God. So it's the inspired written word of God. So from the first chapter of Genesis to the last chapter of the book of Revelation. Everything in it is the logos. It stands the test of time. But then there is also another word, Rhema. The word Rhema is the subjective word of God. When the Holy Spirit takes something that He has already spoken in the word, in the logos of God, and speaks it again to us. That becomes a personal word. That becomes a, a, a living word. That becomes a word that can cause us to grow. So uh, it's just like the, the manna, right? So that manna will cause us to grow. Uh, uh, many years back, I was uh, going to uh, interview uh, here in New York City. And uh, I just graduated from college. And I, I spent my high school years in suburban, suburban New Jersey. So very small town. Very quaint. Uh, you go downtown, there's these little shops. It's very uh, low buildings. Uh, so now I was looking for a job. And I hadn't been to New York City many times. And the few times I went to New York City, I felt completely overwhelmed. These tall buildings. People walking really fast. Very rude people. So, so now I had this job interview that I had to come into New York City for. On the one hand, I was excited. On the one hand, I was so afraid. Now I was a, I'm a big guy. But I was so afraid inside my heart. I don't know, I thought I was going to get mugged. I was just very nervous. So I prayed. I said, Lord, help me. And, uh, and so, uh, interesting enough, the night before, we had a brother visiting us. I think he had come from Canada to stay with us. So we were talking. And so I, I so then I went to sleep. And then I prayed before I went to sleep. So Lord, I'm gonna take the Greyhound into the city tomorrow. Please be with me. So uh, so so then I went to sleep. So at night I had a dream. And in that dream, that brother that was visiting started to talk to me. And he started to recite Psalm 23 to me. He said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he said, Your staff and your rod, they comfort me. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. So, um, so in the morning I got up and I told the brother, I said, Brother, thank you for sharing those words with me. <laughs> he, was, he was completely confused. And then I explained. But, brothers and sisters, that morning when I woke up, I felt such a peace in my heart. So the Holy Spirit, through my brother in my dream, <laughs> so he spoke to me. Now I had memorized Psalm 23 since I was a very little kid. Those words were always there. But somehow that day the Holy Spirit used those words to speak to me. such a peace. I took a, a bus into New York City. And I, did, and I was not afraid. Because I knew the Lord was with me. So that word became a real personal word for me. That word is the word Rima. So Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. It talks about man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word, every rhema that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how we grow up. So that's a living word. So that's what the manna speaks about. So in that Ark of the Covenant, you not only have the tablets which speak about the written word of God, the Ten Commandments are, are there. But Inside of it, there's also the manna. To remember how that is the living word. So we not only have the logos, but the rhema. And that's in the, in the ark. But the wonderful thing is you also have the staff of Aaron. It reminds us of the high priest. Not only that, but you have, we, you know, David talked about the Ark of the Covenant. He actually said, that's the footstool of God. So, uh, you know, when a king sits on the throne, he needs a footstool. So you see that in, um, in the very heart, you see the footstool. Well. And we know that between the wings of the cherubim you find the Shekinah glory, the presence of God. So that's at the very center of the tabernacle. So brother says you see the different elements. You know that in the Old Testament there are three main offices. There is the prophet. The priest, and the king. Now Moses spoke about the spoke of the prophet. Aaron, Aaron spoke of the priest. And uh, the uh, David spoke of the king. Actually, David slash Solomon. So you see, those are the the ministries so to speak, in the Bible. But you see, all represented in the Ark. You have the Word, you have the Logos, but you also have the Rhema. The prophet speaks forth the purpose of God. But there you find also the Rod, the Priest. It speaks of service. It speaks of ministry to God. But not only that, you find there the footstool of God. You find the king. Now, of course, these are all pictures of our Lord Jesus. Right? These all point to our Lord as that wonderful prophet. 
He said, Behold, someone greater than Solomon is here. Behold, someone is greater than Jonah. Of course, our Lord is that wonderful prophet. Of course, the Bible also tells he's the great high priest. And he's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, of course, this speaks of our Lord Jesus. But, brothers and sisters, this was not just so that it could be in our Lord Jesus. We already spoke about the fact of what is a testimony. That is to take what is of the Lord and make it practical and make it real. So we spoke about the fact that our Lord was that perfect testimony. That somehow he would be so but but he was a perfect expression of who God was. So we see that in the land of Israel. So God did not just do something haphazardly. So now you see not just a family, not just an individual, but a family, but a nation. And into the hand of that nation, God entrusted his word. Not just, not just the, the, the tablet of testimony, but also they experienced the practical outworking of that word. They experienced uh, the faithfulness of God through the manna. So you see, that's an expression of who God was. And God gave them the tabernacle. And tabernacle speaks about the presence of God in their midst. And as the nation of Israel gathered together, as the world observed them, they will now see who God was. The name of God would be amongst them. So not only that. So in the beginning, the nation of Israel, they were a nation that was that were moving. Right? But God wanted them to possess that land. But remember, uh, in uh, but you remember the story, right? Uh, in um, uh, Numbers chapter 13 as they were about to enter into the land 12 spies were sent into the land now amongst them was Joshua and Caleb and remember the story they went in they saw all their enemies and then they saw the Anakin so these were similar to uh, the they were related to the Nephilim remember uh, the Nephilim was when remember uh, when the Bible talks about how the angels of God came into the daughters of men and then there were giants right and that's why God was so displeased and that's why he sent the flood remember the story there were the giants right remember uh, uh, Goliath he was nine feet tall pretty big right very scary so the spies when they went in they saw these giants in Hebron and so they became afraid and so they came back and they gave a bad report and they said we shouldn't go in there are giants there even though God has said I will give you the land so because they did not take the Lord's word at his word God said okay you want to do that you're going to wander around the wilderness for each day of the 40 days that you were in the land you have to wander a year and anybody under 20 would not be able to enter the land including Moses so so that is the story. But what happened later on? Now, uh, uh, so, uh, um, uh, um, 
They wandered for 40 years. And only Jay, uh, Joshua and Caleb were able to enter to the land. And only after they had crossed the river Jordan would they be able to enter into the land. So we know only the new man can enter into the land. The old man cannot enter in. So they entered into the land. And what was the story? So now you have Moses, you had Aaron. But they did possess the land. Now, remember the promise of God to Abraham. God said, uh, uh, Okay. Okay, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 18. And Amorite, and Canaanite, and Girgashite, and Jebusite. 当那日耶华与亚伯兰立约说我已赐给你的后裔从埃及和直到伯拉大河之地就是基尼人基尼喜人亚摩尼人赫人比利喜人利伐因人亚摩利人迦南人各家撒人耶布斯之人之地 so that day, God promised that land and defined the, what that land was going to be. But then, in, but then in Genesis chapter 22, in verse 17, Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. So now the Lord not only defined the land, but the Lord also promised that his descendants would be as numerous as the sand of the seashore. So, brothers and sisters, so that was the promise of God. So now let's come back and think about God's original purpose. Was somehow that um, the glory of God will fill the earth. And he said, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth. So the question is this. Did God's purpose ultimately was it ultimately fulfilled in, in Israel? In some ways, yes. How do we know? If you read, let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 4. Now we know that the people of Israel, they entered the land. And then we know eventually they, uh, they took, uh, Jerusalem was, was established. And then the throne of David was established. David had a heart to build a house for God. And then Solomon ultimately did that. So in 1 Kings chapter 4, First Kings 
Now this is describing Solomon's kingdom. Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand that is on seashore in abundance. They were eating and drinking and rejoicing. And then verse 21. Now Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all days of his life. So remember the promise of God to his people? Two things. One was the land that was described and was promised. And the other is that the that the descendants would be as numerous as the sand that is on the seashore. So during the time of Solomon, that was fulfilled. Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand in the seashore. And the land that God promised to the nation of Israel, they actually possessed it. So here you see the, the will of God. Somehow that the glory of God will fill the earth. But in God's uh, work of recovery, He first wanted to demonstrate that on the land, in the land of Canaan, that there He would have His testimony. There He would have His house. There there would be the ark. There He would give them His word. There, the the uh, uh, the 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 children the, or the children of Israel will be fruitful and multiplied. And will fill the land. Isn't that this picture? So you see the picture of God's eternal purpose. Was somehow here was a piece of land. That was a reflection of heaven. You had the the. You had Moses as the prophet, Aaron as the priest, and David and Solomon as the king. David speaking about the suffering king, and Solomon speaking about the, the king in peace. So, uh, of course, these are all pictures. So, these are the pictures of what God is doing. So, brothers and sisters, we talked about the fact that um, uh, our Lord is the true prophet. He's the true king. Sorry, he's the true priest. And the true king. And remember the story of how he came? He was a servant king. How he was persecuted by the world. You see that in David. But not only that. But one day, the Lord is going to come back. The first time he came as a Lamb of God. But one day he's going to come back as a Lion of Judah. He is going to rule and reign. And we read uh, in Re- we read in Revelation chapter twenty that he will come back and he will rule and reign this earth. And uh, those who are with him, who kept the word of God, and the testimony of Jesus, the overcomers, they would reign with him for a thousand years. So one day he will come back. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And you see, just like Solomon, he ruled over that whole land. As if the glory of God filled the whole land. At the height of the at the height of the nation of Israel was when Solomon was on the throne. In the same way, one day. Our Lord Jesus is going to rule over this world. And that's what it said in Psalm 8. 
O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The Bible says his scepter is a scepter of righteousness. Don't you feel that in the world that we live in today there is no righteousness? So right is being persecuted? Wrong is on the throne? What is black is what should be black is white and what is white is black. But the Bible says his scepter is a scepter of righteousness. He will rule over this whole earth. But you see this wonderful picture. We see God's purpose being fulfilled. Israel is but a, a picture of God's eternal one, eternal plan. But the nation of Israel, they needed to possess the land. So now we come back to this. We read in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Where, uh, chapter, chapter 1 verse 9. So now we understand what is the background of this story. Now the new generation was now in front of this land of Canaan. And what did what did God say? Verse nine, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As a matter of fact, if you read these first nine verses of chapter one, the Lord says, "Be strong and courageous" three times. In verse six, "Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them." And verse seven, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. And then again in verse 9, be strong and courageous. If you go back to verse 4, it talks about the whole, the land that God had already promised to Abraham. And he also had the same promise to Moses. Now he is commanding Joshua. And he said, be strong and courageous. The question is, why could he be strong and courageous? I think the secret is verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Brothers and sisters, what, what was Joshua able to to be strong why was he able to be strong and courageous? Because God commanded it. Because God said it. It was gonna be done. God promised it. It's going to be done. So you see all that God had planned for the nation of Israel was going to be done. So he said, do not he said be strong and courageous. For I will be with you. So brothers and sisters, in light of this, you see in front of Joshua, possessing that land, had everything to do with the purpose of God. Yes, there were difficult enemies. Yes, there were, there were giants. And we know that it was exactly because of those giants that the earlier generation they retreated. But you know what was the wonderful story? Was the story of Caleb. He was 40 years old when they first uh, uh, he went in to spy the land. He saw the the Anakin. And uh, he because he witnessed it firsthand. Um, 
Joshua chapter 14. Is that right? But then in Joshua chapter 14, what did he do? I think, I think it's important to reread there. Verse 10. Joshua 14. Now behold, the Lord has let me live, just as he spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I'm 85 years old today. I am still as strong today as it was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there with the great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. So his faith was in the Lord's word. And he was able to be uh, as strong as today at 85 years old. Because God had spoken. Now brothers and sisters, um, we sometimes uh, talk about faith. Say, well, what is faith? I think sometimes we think uh, we uh, we we think we have faith. But it's actually just a hope. But what is the definition of faith? Uh, I think the the word the Lord is very clear. And that is Romans chapter time verse ten verse seventeen. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith is not just some hope or a wish. Oh, I wish that it would come true. No, but faith comes from hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. This word here in verse 17 is rhema. So faith is by hearing the rhema of Christ. How do we know Lord, the Lord's will? We know it when the Holy Spirit takes a word that's already spoken and speaks to us again. Then we said, ah, it will be done. So that's what Caleb did. You see, Caleb heard the word of God. And he made it personal. And what did he do? He went exactly to where the giants were. Actually, in Judges chapter 1, it talks about there there were the three sons of Anak. Caleb was 85 years old. You know, I, 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 I don't know how to draw an analogy. But I think in the world today, I think the, the scariest experience would be this. If you were to ask to play one down in the National Football League, here are these 250-pound uh, super athletes that are 100% okay, 95% muscle. <laughs> and you know when the quarterback says hike. 
These guys will run at 25 miles an hour and try to hit you. Okay, that's as good an example as you can think of. But Caleb was not afraid. So he went in. And he took hold of Hebron. And he was able to take it from the Anakim. So brothers and sisters. So here we see this. Um, our, what do we have to face what's ahead of us? We have nothing but his word. So hopefully now we understand a little bit of this. How did they overcome? By the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. How do we overcome? Brothers and sisters, sometimes the experiences we go through they are like giants. It might be a very difficult illness. It might be a difficult circumstance at work. Difficult people. Brothers and sisters, many of you probably are going through some difficult experiences. But the Lord says, be strong and courageous. I have given you this land. Why is the Lord doing this? Because the Lord is looking for a testimony. He's looking for an expression of himself. He's looking to build up his character in us. So brothers and sisters, Joshua and the people of Israel, they had this burden on their shoulders. They saw a difficult uh, land to go possess. But for the sake of God's purpose, they needed to possess the land. Because Jerusalem needed to be established. So then the throne of David could be established. So the temple could be built. The presence of God could be in Jerusalem. So then one day Solomon could rule over that whole land. The glory of God could fill that land. So we take a step back. And we think about the eternal purpose of God. What is it that God is doing? God wants his this world to be a reflection of heaven. So through our Lord Jesus, God has called people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. So in every corner of this world, the Lord wants His lampstands there to stand for His testimony, to reflect who He is. The Lord has placed us in New York, but there are saints in, in Shanghai in Taipei, in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, in all, all over this world, what is the Lord trying to establish? To have His testimony. So, but what needs to happen? We need to grow up. So, remember the Lord's command from the beginning that man would rule over the, uh, the birds of the air? Fish of the sea, and the cat on the field, God is preparing us so that one day we can reign with Him, so that His glory could fill the earth. But not only that, in Exodus chapter 19, God wanted the nation of Israel to be a what? A kingdom of priests. A holy nation. What did it mean? It was that in that kingdom, every citizen of that kingdom would be a priest, would be there to serve the Lord. Now, unfortunately, because the nation of Israel fell short of the glory of God, that burden fell upon the Levites. And the Aaron, and the house of Aaron, 
But in God's original purpose, was that that whole kingdom would be a kingdom of priests. In the New Testament, Peter actually uh, shed some new light. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter tells us that we are to be a royal priesthood. Not only is every citizen to be a priest, but it's a royal priesthood. Every priest is also a king. So, if we read first Peter chapter two and verse nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what do you see here? We talked about the royal priesthood. We talk about kings. We talk about priests. And then what? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him. You see a prophet. To proclaim the glory of God. So brothers and sisters, this is what God is doing. Now we know that the Lord himself is the perfect prophet, priest, and king. But he's taking what is already in him, making it real in us. So what is it that he's equipping us to be? So that we are priests, know how to serve him. We are prophets, we can speak forth his will. But also that we could be kings and we will reign with him. So brothers and sisters, what God did in the nation of Israel ultimately is the picture of what God is going to do for this whole earth. Now we know that our Lord is the, was the suffering king but in Revelation chapter 20 it says that one day he's going to come back. But brothers and sisters it's wonderful because he wants us to share in his glory. One day we can reign with him and we can serve him forever as well. So brothers and sisters in light of all of this and what we have in front of us the Lord's call is that we may be overcomers. You could call it being an overcomer or you could call it being a conqueror but think about the task that Joshua and Caleb had ahead of them. In the same way the Lord has his burden on us. That we are to be strong and courageous. We are to possess that land. So that the purpose of God could be fulfilled. The Lord is doing this work all over the world. But one day may his name the, uh, be majestic in all the earth. That's what God is doing. May, may He speak to our hearts. Maybe we just have a few words of prayers. Uh, sorry, a few, few prayers uh, before we conclude.